When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast with me, Jeff Clark. It is the penultimate NFL weekly breakdown. We are covering. Hell yeah! Good use of penultimate. I love that word. Yeah. I feel like most people don't know what it means either, and you used it correctly, and I fucking love it. It is it is it is a good word. I learned about it uh, in the Breaking Bad penultimate. I think it was called Ozymandias. I don't know, mm-hmm. a random pull, but I never heard it once used before that. So now I sprinkle it in actually quite oh, often. Great. I'm, I'm. Yeah, you should. It makes <laughs> you sound smart. I know it does, doesn't it? I'm not that smart. These guys know that. They listen to the podcast <laughs> weekly. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about the NFC Conference Championship games. Um, really, the, the the best four teams are playing in these games. It's the Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Eagles are the host team. That kicks off at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time Sunday. And then it's followed by a, was it a fourth matchup between burrow and mahomes 6 30 eastern Correct. standard time it's exciting um what's not exciting was my divisional performance which i warned you guys about and you dan and <laughs> our wild card handicap and it it fucking happened again it came to fruition again <laughs> it went, I, I, you put it out in the universe man i yeah I bricked the divisional round, went 0-4. Truth be told, I took a teaser on the last game because I just got pounded in the first three, and the teaser ended up cashing, but my analysis was whack for all four games. I don't really know. I'm at the point now with these divisional rounds where I'm just going to checker myself and pick the opposite moving forward. That's probably the best way to go about it. Um, I usually feel good and do well in the conference championships. But truth be told, this is probably a podcast you're going to shine, Dan. I don't, I don't, I don't have strong takes on these games, unfortunately. And my bets are more or less leans. Um, I'll be publishing stuff for outkick here in the next day or two, but these are tough matchups. Not a lot of value in either side or in any of the, in either game, my opinion, but let's start off in the, well, that's the way it is, right? Like, we have tons of data on these teams. Vegas is going to be pretty locked in on what these numbers should be at this point. Um, you know, there's the wild card with Mahomes' injury and how that's going to manifest itself in the game. Obviously, he's going to play. But, um, yeah, man, um, real quick, I took last week off. Um, had to lick my wounds a little bit. I started off red hot. I think at one point I was over 70%. Uh, for the year right now, I'm at 50 almost 59 percent 44 and 31 went three and five in the wild card round i was sick last week uh missed a couple days of work really got knocked on my ass by a wicked sinus infection 
and uh, just decided to reevaluate the processes, see what was what we were doing right at the beginning of the year, what we were doing wrong towards the end of the year. And I feel pretty good about my picks this week. I really do. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear about them. I'll tell you that. Uh, you had you said you had nine picks. I have four in the NFC to start and five in the AFC. Uh, yes, nine total. I might follow, uh, tail you on a couple of these. At a, on a scale of zero to ten, what's the most confidence you have in any pick? Oh, good question. Um, because hmm. I'm at like a five, like for my I for my best one, I guess. I feel my best bet I feel the most confident in is my Miles Sanders prop. Mm, I don't think I saw that one. I, I was also flirting. I haven't posted my picks yet. We're breaking news right here. I have not posted my picks yet. I have them written, ready to go. They are in the editor's queue for our uh, our editors to look over. And they'll be posted here on the site shortly. But, um, well, start where we want to start. Go ahead. You're the host. Sorry, I don't want to take over your pod. It's all good, baby. It's all good. Uh, yeah, we'll start in the NFC. The two-seed 49ers meet the one-seed Philadelphia Eagles. Wasn't a lot of suspense in last week's division around uh, for these two teams. I guess the Cowboys, they only lost by one score, but the Eagles just embarrassed my Giants and embarrassed me in, in, in doing so. I I drank the Kool-Aid, and holy shit. I tried to talk you off of it, if you remember. I do remember, and I needed that, and I just didn't listen. Um, it's all good. What can you say? I'm actually more hurt that the Giants lost as a Giants fan than losing my bets, although I'm sure a lot of listeners or whoever tailed me feels the opposite. So, But right now, the Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Juice on the two-and-a-half. Money line's minus 145 Eagles. Niners plus 125 over. is The total is 46 and a half. Right under that key number of forty-seven. What, which side would you pick? Do you do you like any side, or are you mostly focused on props here? No, I I actually decided to make a pick. It's conference championship weekend. Um, I am giving out all four, both sides, both totals. Love it. All right, what do you got here? I'm. I'll just give you mine. My, my lean right now. Probably going to end up on the Eagles here. Minus two and a half feels like a good number, and I think they should be true home favorites at minus three. You know, Philadelphia, the link is a tough place to play. And by the numbers, these two teams are pretty equal. If anything, Philadelphia gets up, is more efficient from a, from a, I guess, a net sure. differential perspective. They both played really easy schedules, so there's not much to be gained there. I think the Eagles should be a full three, so that's the that's the side I, I more or less lean toward. Uh, how do you feel about any of that, or just I guess yeah, take so, it away? What are you thinking? Sure. Full disclosure: um, I made a bet in August. It was Cincinnati Bengals over San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, uh, which down to the final four is still alive. And spoiler alert: I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to trust that my early analysis, which has been which was very good was correct all the way back on August 20th. I put that future down on on Cincinnati and San Francisco. So I'm going to stick with that. What was the payout on that? Uh, It was plus 20,000. Nice, baby. Nice. That would have to be your biggest score ever, right? From from an odds perspective. 
I literally I put down five bucks to win a thousand, and it's still alive. So I'm riding it out. Um, you know, I, I think I think Philadelphia is the sharp side here. That makes a lot of sense. I think everyone assumes Brock Purdy's inexperience will eventually show up, and I'm not going to pretend like there aren't some bumps in the road coming for him. But my analysis is that I don't get why we would assume Jalen Hurts wouldn't have the same issues. Uh, he lost his first career playoff start last season. He played terrible. He played well enough last week, but the outcome was never really in doubt. The team easily protected him and a big lead, and he really just didn't have to do all that much. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think this game is going to be close. Um, in a minute, I'm going to take the under because I think it's going to be a defensive game. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be valuing possessions. Um, and because of that, I'm also going to grab the points in a contest that I expect to be close. I think the reason it's not a full three, to your point, is that I think the books know if they go to three, people are going to jump on San Francisco plus three. So I think that's really just sort of them avoiding a big number getting dropped on San Francisco at that number. So I think that's the only thing keeping it there, because I do think there are some sharp betters out there who want to grab San Francisco plus the three. So that's fine. I'm going to take the two and a half. Um, I think Hertz is going to make a mistake that costs the team. Um, and don't forget, he's still dealing with a shoulder injury. It cost him two regular season games. He's still not 100% healthy. They've mentioned it throughout the week. I think the San Francisco 49ers are the most talented team in the NFL from top to bottom. I think to beat them, it's going to take elite quarterback play, which is why I like the Bengals ultimately to beat them in the Super Bowl, because I think Burrow can overcome pretty much anything at this point. Um, I like San Francisco to win this game outright, but I'm going to take the points for insurance. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. Yeah, my my plan of attack here on this weekend was to tease the Niners up and the Bengals up now that they're an underdog and try to middle by taking the Eagles money line and or the Chiefs money line, which is not the sharpest way to go about it. But I just don't think there's more than a score worth of difference in either one of these games. Um, if anything, I think that... I think it would, if there's a double digit win or more than a, a one score victory, it would be here in the NFC game. Which is great, by the way. Other. I think I, I saw a stat that said that this was, if the lines close where they are, it'd be the first time both championship games were under a three point spread in, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. Like, were we, like, I mean, you mentioned it off the top, and it's a great point, which is that we got the four best teams in the NFL in these games yeah you dropped something in our slack from some i don't i don't remember who it was but it was a forecast oh, the look ahead lines <clears throat> the forecast all, it was all ahead. one <laughs> yeah it was all minus one yeah pretty much across the board vegas sees all these teams is fairly equal whereas it's literally going to be the super bowl is going to be one point spread no matter who the two teams are right i mean i think you can make a quality argument for really every team here um i guess the the <laughs> For whatever reason, I, the biggest question mark that I have in the NFC game is, is is Sirianni. Like, he's done a phenomenal job with in-game management, in-game coaching. I just kind of, like Brock Purdy, I feel like eventually he's going to have an oh shit moment, right? And the same could be said for Hurts. Whereas, right. like, Shanahan now has had a few oh shit moments. Hopefully he's kind of gotten that out of his system. Um, you'd think he would have, or he, he has. Well, let, keep this in mind. I mean, Shanahan, it, I, I see, you know, I follow a lot of nerds on Twitter. Obviously, I'm a nerd myself. And one thing that's very interesting, and, and those of us like analytic nerds are so enamored by Kyle Shanahan because 
while he is extremely inventive, creative, and forward thinking when it comes to play calling, his deep like it, everything he does is modern and forward thinking. But he is an extremely conservative head coach. He will punt on the on the plus forty. Like he doesn't take a ton of chances. So usually the two go hand in hand. Usually the guys who are more who run that more creative, um, you know, modern style are guys who buy into going forward on fourth down or pushing the envelope a little bit. But Shanahan is not that guy, which is kind of fascinating, really. Yeah, it's almost caused him issues prior. I mean, I it does. I mean, it did obviously in the Atlanta Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. I felt like in the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl that he lost, it was more or less like that Jimmy Garoppolo airmailed Manuel Sanders in the back of the end zone. That's for the for the most part, I think the differentiator in that game. He he left some meat on the bone at the end of the first half, but um he you are right. He is conservative by nature, which is weird when you think of just how much love he gets from the analytics community. I think it's warranted to be honest, because San Francisco's defense is just fucking nasty. Like Right. So that that, that exactly. And that, that's what plays into why I'm on the under. Uh, I mentioned it. I think, you know, Shanahan's relatively conservative. I I think Sirianni will feed off that and kind of look at Shanahan, the veteran, and see how he's playing the game and will probably try to shape it similarly. So I see this as a very um I see this as a very like slugfesty old school type of game. A lot of running the football. Obviously, both teams run the ball extremely well. Um, and I think you know with Brock Purdy's limitations, he's not a guy who's going to fling the ball down the field. And and really, the 49ers don't have that guy. I mean, Ayuk is a decent you know athlete down the field, but they're not really winning games by just hucking it down the field. They do quick passes, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk. Everything's quick, middle of the field, get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands. The less he has to think, the better, because that's where the inexperience shows up. So I think Shanahan's game plan is going to be very much suited to that, which, again, is why I'm on the under, because I I think it's going to be real quick, real short passes, and a lot of runs that keeps the clock moving. That makes sense. Um, It's funny that these two teams – are complete opposite in pace. Philly plays at the fastest pace in the league, according to Football Outsiders, and San Francisco plays at the slowest pace. I do actually, my, my hesitation with the total, and I'm, I'm staying away from it, frankly, is because I could see Sirianni dialing up some some deep shots. And if there was a... hurts his shoulder, though. I feel like that... I feel like it's it's more concerning for him running the ball than it is throwing. I know it is his think, throwing but, shoulder. Well, right, but what we're talking about less is deep shots require time in the pocket. The 49ers have an excellent pass rush. And so in order to set up those plays, you have to you have to allow your quarterback to sit in the pocket and that just the longer your quarterback holds the ball, the higher the chance he's going to get hit. So I think that's actually the analysis less less about whether or not he can throw the football or not and more about how long they really want to let him sit in the pocket and just wait for deep routes to develop deep crosses, double moves, things like that. Like that takes time. And that would be more where I would lean. So you've pretty much answered this question, but in a matchup between Philly's offensive line and San Francisco's defensive line, you would side with San Francisco's defensive line. I'm not saying that. I mean, no matter how good your offensive line is, the longer you try to make Hurts stand there, like, you know, the defense gains an advantage the longer the ball's in the quarterback's hands. You know, the offense has the immediate advantage because they know what the play is. But once 
you know, you can only block a guy without holding them for so long. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty even matchup, to be honest. You know, San Francisco's going to win some. The Eagles' offensive line is going to win some. Right. I think, but where San Francisco's defense is most vulnerable is down the field passing options or uh, down the field, like chunk plays. Like their their secondary is pretty good in that yeah, medium, medium honestly, short range, but down the right. field, they're going to, they but can I, get beaten. I think they can afford a couple of those because I think they, they want to shrink the field. I think the Eagles offense is, I think San Francisco will play a very bend but don't break style. And I think what that means is, you know, if, yeah, if you give up a 40-yard pass play, as long as you tackle them inside the 20 and we can, you know, hold you to a field goal, again, back to the underplay, I think that's going to be San Francisco's plan. Like, let's shrink the field. Let's make sure that when the red zone comes up, we we have everything buttoned down. And I think that's where it's going to come up, you know, whether Sirianni elects to push the envelope there or take three points when it's given. That's going to be an interesting subplot to this game. I think Shanahan's going to take the points in almost every situation. I'll be curious to see how Sirianni handles similar situations. I think he'll be a little more aggressive. I think, I mean, the numbers bear this up. Excuse me, bear this out. But Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles are nasty in the red zone. They are. But they also, you know, I mean, they're facing the number one defense in the league. So. You know, we'll see again. This is it's going to be a great matchup because it is like it's it's, you know, something like the Eagles number one red zone offense going against this nasty San Francisco defense, which you just said up the middle and in that short range is where they thrive. Well, in the red zone, that's all you got is in the short range and, you know, up the middle of the field. You got to be able to exploit that. So that's where it's going to be tricky. That's also why I'm taking A.J. Brown, despite the fact that I'm picking against the Eagles. I like him over. And I got him at 69 and a half receiving yards. Did you already lock in the bet? Because I like AJ Brown over 70 and a half receiving yards. I actually saw it go from 69 and a half to 70 and a half. I witnessed it. I I grabbed it at 69 and a half. Nice. Good shit on you. I'm with you on AJ Brown going over. Um, I do think he has a nice day. According to PFF, he has the, the best wide receiver cornerback matchup of the whole week. Um, it's actually graded out as a hundred percent, like hundred percent in his favor, which I don't, know. I don't think he Devonta, goes for 300 receiving yards, but the he's emergence of, of Devonta Smith means you can't necessarily just roll coverage his way either because Devonta Smith had 500 yard games in like their last six games or something in the regular season, even with Gardner Minshew, he was eating. So it's not like you can completely roll coverage. I think Brown will get loose for a couple of nice plays. Again, uh, 70 yards isn't much. And after seeing him throw a temper tantrum on the sideline during a game, they won by 30 points because he wasn't getting the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like it just, it just, it's one of those things. Like I don't love it from a team perspective, but from a gambling perspective, you know, I think they got to look at AJ Brown and be like, look, we need this kid. We need him to come up in this game. We're going to need him. If we advance to the Super Bowl. Um, we want him engaged. I think they're going to try to force him the ball a little bit, um, enough to hit 70 yards. I, I, I see him catching at least one or one ball for 30 plus, And then, you know, we can mix in five catches for 40 yards somewhere else and, and easily hit this. Tennessee, the, the Titans beat San Francisco last year on Thursday night football. And AJ Brown completely took over that game in the second half. You remember he had 11 catches, 140 yards and, and one touchdown. So there is like 
proof of concept that A.J. Brown could ball out against this defense. And that Titans offense is not in the same ballpark or universe as, as this Philly this Philly offense. No, I, I do think A.J. Brown will have time to work down the field. And, I, and yeah, like you said, San Francisco's D-line is going to win some matchups. They're going to lose some matchups. And I think he gets he gets a, a, a few 50-50 balls thrown his way. And that guy is just good enough to come down with at least one of them. So I think maybe a 35-40 yard chunk play there. And then I think the complaining also gets him some, some love. He, he's, he's went over 70 and a half yards. And uh, nine of his seventeen games played this season, and I think I think he's going to make it ten out of eighteen here. So I'm yeah, and, and last one. week, even last week against Dallas, CD Lamb ten for one seventeen, and I think AJ Brown's a better player than CD Lamb. So I think Dak and Jalen Hurts are very similar. So I, I don't see any reason that Brown can't do what CD Lamb did, and you know CD Lamb did that in and out. So that's kind of what I'm banking on here, a San Francisco win, but A.J. Brown getting his. And then on the other side, as I mentioned, um, I got Miles Sanders under 50 and a half rushing yards. A couple reasons. Um, number one, you can't run on San Francisco unless your name's Josh, J- Josh Jacobs, who ran over everyone this season. But since the 49ers R- bye week. Real quick, I'm also with you here. Which is, we didn't even pre-production this at all. God damn it. Pre-production. Who the hell does that? Um, Pussies. Since since the 49ers bye week, which was like five or six, can't remember. It was early. Uh, only two teams have rushed for 100 yards total, the Raiders and the Seahawks. I expect Jalen Hurts to be involved in the run game. I think Philadelphia is going to mix in Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. So you've got a run game with four options facing the league's second best rush defense that allows around 80 yards a game. I just don't think there's going to be enough volume for Sanders to get over 50 yards. Even if the Eagles rush for 100 yards as a team, I don't see him getting half of those. I think Hertz and Scott and Gainwell will all mix in. That was my second note. Uh, Philadelphia is running back by committee. Um, With the quarterback who runs. So it's like, you know, like I said, there's literally four options in their in their rush game. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Hertz, if I remember correctly, ran for 80 yards on 10 carries against San Francisco last year. So, like, it worked last year, and I think they're going to, you know, they're going to try it again this year. And you mentioned protecting Hertz's injury with running, but it's like, at this point in the season, man, like, you got to throw everything you can. And it's his throwing shoulder. He'll probably run a lot to the left, leading with his left shoulder. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, run to the right, protecting his left shoulder uh, with his, as his lead shoulder, which is fine. But again, I, I, I can't you can't not run Jalen Hurts in this game. You have to win this game. And that's a huge part of your offense. I truthfully I don't think the injuries matter for either quarterback. That's kind of my thing. Like, I, I'll, so, I'll listen. You're talking to, about Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, God, I, that's I, such a bad take. Well, why? Bro, I actually we'll talk about it in one second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Miles Sanders went over 51 and a half rushing yards in 13 of his 17 games. So this feels like a cheap number. And obviously people are very dialed into the player props more so now than during the regular season. So I think like it's going to be easy. Like check that number, go to pro football reference. Like, holy shit, this is a gimme. This guy averages 70 yards per game. And I do think most most reasonable people are going to understand that San Francisco's rushing defense is nasty, but they'll probably be like, you know, it's just probably going to be a hard-fought playoff game, thinking like you're thinking, where it's going to be under, so a lot of team, there's going to be a lot of running the ball. I just, like, there's, 
Miles Sanders hasn't been like a 25 carry per game guy ever. And like Philly doesn't want him to be, they're not going to use him like that. Especially so, not in a game like this. Like he's not a workhorse back and right. you, you run against San Francisco, you're going to take a beating. Like they're going to hit you. So I don't know that this is even just a good matchup for him. I like Miles Sanders a lot. You know, we are Penn state guy for sure. Uh, love the kid, but I, I really just think it's a bad spot. And I'm with you. I'm also looking at under Brock Purdy, 19 and a half completions. Um, but this kid has put the fear of God in me. And every time I bet against him, he's I, yeah, I worry about that me. just because, again, I think it's going to be a super quick passing game. Like, I think there's just going to be a lot of gimme throws quick. Get dump it to McCaffrey, dump it to Debo. I would worry about that just because I think he can rack up some volume just on you know, nothing completions basically. So, okay. So this is definitely, this is the last, the player props that I had in this game. And it's the heaviest, I guess, lean or the, the, the prop that I'm leaning towards the most, if that makes sense. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down in this one, the sense that, so you, so the way you're reading this is that the Eagles and the, and the Niners with their advanced analytics and, and modernized offenses are going to look at, running plays as pretty much throwaway plays. So they're not going to do it. They're going to try to get easy dump offs, easy, easy throws. So they're, they're skill position players that can make noise. And especially San Francisco, right? Everyone knows about the Eagles D line. Like it's fucking disgusting. Like they, they had a historical season. You're not having Brock Purdy sit in the pocket for three seconds. You're just not doing it. And how do you mitigate a pass rush? You get rid of the ball quickly, especially early in the game, and they start to get frustrated. You know, those guys are digging in, and and the ball's out of there before they even sniff getting close to them. Like, that, that's frustrating. And that's when you that's when you can take advantage. That's when you can get them in situations to try and pin their ears back, and um, that's when you can dump off the screens, get them to overcommit. So, look, Shanahan knows all this. I'm not – not going to teach him how to coach. That guy knows more about football than I will ever know in my entire life. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's kind of how I see this game. And all my bets kind of flow to the sort of theme. The only one that kind of goes against it is the Miles Sanders thing, but we just talked about why we're doing that. I thought it was the A.J. Brown thing. Miles Sanders going under helps your under and your and your Niners play. Well, I just mean it's AJ it's, Brown in, ter- over. in terms of the style of analysis, which is like a lot of run plays would lend itself to think oh, that Sanders is going to be able to. Um, the AJ Brown analysis doesn't really, not really, because I think they're going to even try to get him involved on quick, like get the ball to AJ Brown, whether it's the deep ball that we talked about or just a quick slant, see if he can make a play in space, throw a screen to AJ Brown's a monster with the ball in his hands. He's one of the best run after catch receivers in the league. So even even that plays into it, which is quick passes, quick quick outs, things like that. You know, first down, third and five. You know, get to the sticks, make a catch, that kind of thing. So I think I think Brown's just going to have a lot of volume coming his way, and I'm mostly playing him based off the volume. My final thought on this game is, even though Shanahan, I think, is the better, or he's definitely the more proven, established coach, and I actually led with like being concerned with Nick Sirianni. I feel like he's kind of like a young and dumb guy who just is going to doesn't know what not to do if that makes any sense. And I think he's going to I think he's going to be aggressive and I just I just trust him more oddly enough in these like high leverage situations and I think I think the way that he's been play calling for the Eagles for really the past 2 years is just something 
it's just more aggressive and it's more, I think, uh, predictive of how of how Philly's offense is going to look. Whereas, like, I don't know, I don't know how San Francisco's offense is going to look here. I think if they do get it to Kittle and Debo Samuel for those easy checkdowns, it's going to be a, a a nightmare game for the Eagles. But we have a, a head-to-head little bet going. Or, um, well, I mean, we've been going head-to-head this entire season. Do you want to you want to yes. put some put a unit on this one? Yep. All right. Cool. Um, so I'm going to go over AJ Brown seventy and a half receiving yard. I'm following you on both both props. So we're oppo on the sides. All right. Moving along to the AFC Championship game. Uh, Bengals versus Chiefs, part four. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm 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 on the Chiefs here. I I arrived there this morning, and as goofy or as corny as it may sound to you, what pushed me over the top is the Bengals locker room talking about Arrowhead as Burrowhead, and it was just like you know, I, you guys are a little too confident, and I don't think they're going to beat Patrick Mahomes a fourth time. That it's it's honestly that simple. You know, I, I do think the injury to him is overstated. Um, I don't think Cincinnati's pass rush is good enough to where he's gonna need to use his legs as much as maybe in the in in the in the last round or against other quality defenses. They're Trey sick Hendrickson pass and coverage. Sam Hubbard, bro. They're they're good. I like them, but I think you don't think they're gonna be able to get after it. No, okay. I I I, I mean Kansas City has the best pass blocking win rate in the league. Um, they okay. have they have the edge in the in the trenches on both run blocking and pass protection according to PFF, and um and I mean they're they're much better by the numbers, right? They have a better net EPA per play. They have um, a plus one point net yards per play, whereas the Bengals are pretty much even. I mean, they win in these high leverage situations. That's kind of what Joe Burrow does. Um, and and I think the the results of the previous outcome of, of this game were a little misleading. I mean, you had a big Kelsey fumble in the fourth quarter as the Ch- Chiefs are driving. Cincinnati, Cincinnati excuse me, had three first down um, three first downs converted via penalty. Uh, Kansas City had more first downs and, and more yards per play in last year's AFC title game, but they just pissed pissed it away. And that's kind of been the the, the case for all three of the, the Chiefs' losses of the Bengals. It was just more of like the Chiefs choking in the clutch. Um, I don't want to like completely – you're laughing. I don't want to like give the Bengals no credit. They're – awesome I, I love Joe Burrow but I think between the injuries of their offensive line and the edge of Kansas City has in the trenches and I mean let's Mahomes not forget though like, I know everyone looks at Andy Reid as a god and he's obviously a, a top three NFL coach but remember his reputation before finally winning that Super Bowl was he couldn't win the big game I mean he went to four straight NFC championship games with the Eagles and didn't win the Super Bowl And now we're in AFC championship game number five. He's got one Super Bowl, but they kind of do. His teams historically have kind of choked in the big games aside from the one. And the only not I shouldn't say the only reason, but they dominated. They won 31 to 10 over San Francisco. So that game never really pushed. Didn't really come to shove for them in in that big game. So, 
Yeah, the, what, the, here's basically how I break it down. Uh, the Bengals are red hot. They haven't lost a game since October. Joe Burrow is 3-0 and against a healthy Patrick Mahomes. Now he's facing a not healthy Patrick Mahomes. I think the Chiefs will still be able to put up some points. Um, as you said, you know, Mahomes is still Mahomes. He's going to be able to throw the ball. I did a piece for OutKick. I spoke to two sports uh, medicine doctors. I spoke to Ryan Tannehill, uh, quarterback of the Titans, who dealt with high ankle sprains this year. And they all basically said the same thing, which is mobility is the concern. And a big part of Patrick Mahomes' game is not just running, but being able to get out of the pocket, escape, give his guys time to beat their man. Because no one on the Chiefs' offense outside of Travis Kelsey scares you. Like, I'm not afraid of Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, if he plays, he's hurt, who the hell knows, Sky Moore, like decent players. But they need time. They need Patrick Mahomes to break free and give them time to get open. And that's a key missing component in this game. He's going to have to throw out of the pocket. He's going to be able to move in the pocket, but he's not going to be able to get outside of it and run and, and, and make those plays that we're used to seeing. And I think that's a huge disadvantage. And the other thing that the two doctors mentioned was what Mahomes should be fine in the intermediate. He he's used to making off platform throws, not driving through his, his back foot, which is the right, the right ankle that's hurt. But when you start getting into those downfield throws, 20, 30 yards, you do have to push off your back foot. And that's going to be a problem for Mahomes in this game. And so if he can't push the ball down the field like he's used to, and he can't escape the pocket like he's used to, I I really think that's going to be a a major point in this game. So I I am not discounting this injury whatsoever. Um, I think we're going to get the full... Well, actually, I think there's going to be like 120% of the Mahomes arm experience and obviously like 70% or I guess 80 of the of the rushing experience. Like he's obviously going to be limited with his mobility. I do think he'll be able to actually get outside the pocket. Like I don't think he's going to be like Byron Leftwich being carried up the field by Marshall, right? You're going to notice a little hobble to him but i don't know i think between the <laughs> between the quarter zone shot they're gonna hit him with pregame or whatever numbing agent they give him i think he's gonna I, be good to go and he's just gonna he's gonna light up the cincinnati defense i mean that's all well and good but all it takes is one hit one hit that just comes at the wrong time in the wrong place and he's done you're saying about andy Reid about how you know he struggled. He he struggled to win the big game. But like before Zach Taylor got Joe Burrow, people were calling him the worst coach in the league. Which, for the record, I don't think is fair. Like I I think most coaches just suck with bad quarterbacks. In fact, I mean like Kyle Shanahan mostly has sucked with with when Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't there. Now Brock Purdy looks awesome. We'll see about that. But like I don't hold too much against Zach Taylor for um. Uh, for not winning without Joe Burrow, but there's no question who the better coach is here, right? Yes. You you agree that Andy Reid's the better coach? Yeah, I called the guy a top three head coach. I was just pointing out that I don't want to forget that narrative that he couldn't win, and he's only, I mean, he gets to this point, and he's done it eight, now nine times, but only has one Super Bowl victory. That's all. My favorite, just worth remembering. My favorite Andy Reid shit is I, I don't think he should be given three timeouts because he can't be trusted with them. I think they should only give him two. Which is wild too, right? Like for a guy who's 
known as being the, a great top three head coach. The guy can't manage a game for shit, which is wild. Wild. <laughs> do you just have, hire someone to do it? Do you have any concern with this with Cincinnati being a public dog? No. Yeah. I just wanted to throw it out there. I just wanted to let the audience know that that's no, the current that, betting split. But, yeah, but last but, week, since he was the public dog against Buffalo, yeah, and they beat the shit out of him. That, and also this line has been so weird. Cincinnati was a favorite for a while. So it's like, are they really even an underdog? Like, yeah, technically right now, but they were a favorite. They were an underdog. Like, I don't know. I don't. I think I would throw that out here because the line has shifted between the two. Essentially, we're talking about a pick of game here. Sure. Sure, but if the public is on the the road team against Mahomes, who's never, who's only been a home dog to I think Buffalo, ah, man, I I feel like that's not a complete just throwaway point. But I, I hear you. Uh, Great, we'll take that one too. Okay, cool. Wait, heads up, Chiefs Bengals. Yes. So do you want to just do like just like the straight money line, like whoever wins, yeah. like we'll just do pick them. All right, cool. Um, I have one prop that I'm interested in, and but I want to run through yours. Uh, I'll just get my one out of the way. I'm going over Frank Clark, 0.75 sacks. It's plus 155, fat number. I was actually looking at Chris Jones. I have to relook at this because I don't believe what I'm even going to say, but I, I saw it. He has no sacks in 12 playoff games. That blew my mind because the first way I was because right now his sack prop is over uh, a quarter sack at like I think it's minus like one thirty five, and I was like, all right, well, and then, you know, you're going through Cincinnati's offensive line, which is just a joke. There's a bunch of second stringers on there. Um, you're going through how many sacks Burrow has eaten and how he likes to give his wide receivers time to get open and break coverage and he does it by holding on to the ball um you know Burrow's been sacked in 12 of 15 playoff games and um or excuse me um he's been uh Frank Clark has gotten sacks in 12 of 15 playoff games and Joe Burrow has been sacked I don't know at least once every year this season uh, multiple times, probably in 13 of the 18 games, it's looking like. Just quick eyeball of it. And uh, Frank Clark actually had one sack last week, last week against Jacksonville. So, I mean, it's a it's a fat number, but I, I would I would take the plus 155 that Frank Frank Clark gets a sack here. Yeah. So part of my analysis on why I'm taking the Bengals is I think that's a big storyline is the Bengals' offensive line. Um, I don't think Kappa or Jonah Williams is going to play, and that's not great. They're going to be missing three of five starters. However, here's an interesting point. Burrow was sacked 19 times in last year's Super Bowl run. The Chiefs only sacked him once. When they played earlier this season, the Chiefs only sacked him once. Mm -hmm. So they were healthier when they played them earlier, obviously, but they were shitty last year. And I think they just have something figured out with the Chiefs pass rush and how to play against the Chiefs. Um, that seems to be a theme. Like I said, in the last two games only been sacked twice combined. So I think they, similar to this, they're going to get the ball out of uh, Burrow's hands quickly. He can run around and make some plays. And that actually leads me to one of my props uh, before I get to the total, which is I have Joe Burrow over 17 and a half rushing yards. Um, I, it's pretty much similar to my Geno Smith prop. 
a couple weeks ago that did hit in the wild card round, which is like quarterbacks have to do whatever it takes to win in the playoffs. Um, I think rushing attempts increase as guys try to make plays to keep the chains moving. Uh, Burrow is no stranger to doing that, especially against the Chiefs. When they beat the Chiefs earlier this season, Burrow rushed 11 times. That was the only game this season where he had double-digit rush attempts. In last year's AFC Championship game, Burrow ran five times for 25 yards. Last week against Buffalo, 31 yards. So in big games against top teams, I think Burrow will uh, fearlessly put his body on the line. And uh, I'm going over 17 and a half rushing yards for Joe Burrow. Don't you have three more props here? Yeah, we'll go through them quick because we got to we got we have outkick responsibilities. <laughs> uh, yeah, and honestly, I don't have much else on this game. I yeah. just I, I I've kind of uh, shot my load here. It's like it's the sucker play, but I'm going I'm going Mahomes and a pick him at home. So what else yep. do you got on your player prop list? Uh, I'm also on the over as we talked about. I, I did. Uh, take a side here. Uh, I think the only reason this line is below 50 is because of Mahomes' injury. I think otherwise it would be. All three of the games between um, the Bengals and, and the Chiefs with Mahomes and Burrow have gone over 50. Last season's AFC Championship was 27-24. The Bengals averaged 24.6 points in the playoffs against AFC opponents. They're going to score. Uh, there's the uncertainty with Mahomes, but the team managed to score 27 points last week against Jacksonville, and even Chad Henney led them on a touchdown drive. I think Andy Reid's going to have a game plan designed to work around Mahomes' limitations, and the Chiefs, they're going to score. Um, Patrick Mahomes' quarterback Chiefs teams have never been held under 20 points in a playoff game against an AFC opponent, and in the last four AFC championship games, the Chiefs averaged 32 points per game. So I'm actually, in this case, I'm going to use Mahomes' injury to my advantage and grab a slightly deflated number. Uh, moving on quickly. Real quick, I just want to respond to something you said. Um, and, and, and this is kind of my my takeaway from why we're oppo here. I think you have a lot more respect for the Cincinnati defense than Kansas City. Is is that a fair statement? That's fine. Cincinnati's defense is very good. Yeah, it is very good. I, I'm not disagreeing. I actually do think Kansas City's defense is underrated and has been underrated the whole year. That's why I I just I, I, I see these as two polar opposite games. I think the first game is going to be an old school drag them out, slug fast, run the ball, move the chains, and both of these teams are capable and the AFC are capable of the big plays and the splash plays and they're gonna to try to make them. So I just see two mm-hmm. different games. Woo-hoo-hoo. I mean you just think Burrow's gonna out execute Mahomes. I love it. I can't wait for this game. Speaking of that, Jamar Chase over 82 and a half receiving yards. I think he's going to have a breakout game. He's been held in check this postseason under 100 yards in both playoff games. Uh, last week, he had just five catches, which broke a streak of nine straight games with seven plus catches. It's just the second game this season in which he didn't have at least seven catches. I was going to do his over receptions prop, but it was juiced pretty heavily on the over. So I decided to go with the receiving yards and the and the closer uh, the and not pay the juice. Um, since Chase annihilated the Chiefs in the first matchup when he played them a couple years ago, he had 11 catches for 266 and three touchdowns. Kansas City has done pretty well against them, um, at least as much as you can lock down one of the best receivers in the game. He had just six catches for 54 yards and a touchdown in last year's AFC Championship. Um, but, you know, Buffalo held Chase to 61 yards in a blizzard, and the Bengals dominated, so they didn't really need to use him. That could happen this week, but I expect the Chiefs to be competitive. I could give a bunch more stats, but just call this a gut feeling. Jamar Chase going off. All right, and that's pretty much how I uh, view these games too. I mean, my bets are more leans. Um, I'm I'm taking we're, me and me and I got one more if you want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
Last one, Isaiah Pacheco, over six and a half receiving yards. Uh, he hasn't been as involved in the passing game because of the emergence of Jarek McKinnon. However, because of Patrick Mahomes' injury, again, one of the doctors I spoke to was like, there's going to be a lot more running back passes because what quarterbacks who can't run dump it off to their running backs. Why, if, when you're playing fantasy football and you're looking at running backs, like always try to get a guy with a more immobile quarterback because they're going to see a lot more looks in the passing game because otherwise, like Jalen Hurts, rather than dump it off, he's going to take it off himself. Mahomes is going to be able to do that. So I think we're going to see a decent amount of McKinnon, but the Chiefs can't get predictable by putting McKinnon in when it's a passing situation. And he sees enough offensive snaps. Pacheco does 21 plus in 11 straight games that he's going to be targeted in the passing game. Uh, he does only have six yards receiving over the past two weeks combined. But again, this is going to be a completely different game plan since Mahomes can't run. So Allegedly. to me, he's not going to be able to run. Like, I don't know how you could argue that. He, he can't run. He couldn't. Watch him he do an RPR the, right out the gate. Prior to the past two games, Pacheco averaged 11.7 yards per catch over the previous six. So all we really need here is one catch for 10 yards and, and we, we lock it in. So I think we hit that and, uh, that's where I'm at, man. All right. Well, Dan Z's been on fire this year. Me and him are oppo in the Eagles versus the Niners. Um, we're same Z's with the AJ Brown, Miles Sanders props. He kind of talked me off of the Brock Purdy under completions uh, prop. We're also oppo here in this Bengals Chiefs game. I'm taking it with the Chiefs. Or, excuse me, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs. He's taking the Bengals. My main factors for the Chiefs are them having the edge in the trenches on both pa- pass protection and run blocking, according to PFF, how the Chiefs win in three of the four trench-based win rates per ESPN. Cincinnati's offensive line's bang, banged up. Kansas City has a better net efficiency and the bulletin board material of the Cincinnati Bengals calling Arrowhead Burrowhead is all what pushes me over. Also, sprinkle on Frank Clark to have one sack at plus 155. That's it. That's the end of your NFL Conference Championship breakdown. Big thanks to Dan for hopping on with me and helping me break this down. We'll be back next week to talk about the Super Bowl. I'll also be... Talking to you guys tomorrow about some Friday NBA picks. Best of luck to you guys, whether you fade or follow us. Just looking to make your, um, making, just trying to give you guys some analysis and some food for thought before making these conference championship bets. Peace out, homies.